great to be here tonight. You're pathetic. You're all pathetic. Sorry, that's just how the uh, monk here say hello. Say hello. Okay. Uh, we're back. Welcome to Undecided Podcast, the podcast where we talk about politics and get a little drunk. My name is Tara Mahoney, and I'm here with Kate McQuaid. Hi, Kate. Hey. Kate is a fourth-year student, at, a fourth-year political science student and women's studies uh, student at uh, Concordia University. She runs a Marxist meme account called Jean-Paul Fartre and is in the early days of producing a magazine called Nice in Theory, and she's joining me today to help review the Liberal Party platform, so thanks for being here. Oh, pleasure to be here. <laughs> um, let's, like, get n- less formal now, because we're super <laughs> not going to do that the whole time. Uh, so, uh, before we kind of dive into the platform, I want to talk about the election so far, um, because if you're not, like, paying attention, which, like, why would you be? Um, there's, like, I feel like there's some, like, bits and bobs that, like, have been kind of funny. Like, I don't know, um, our Prime Minister, like, it came out that he has many photos of him doing blackface um dark dark for him love it that he like a part of his apology was being like sorry i just i really love costumes <laughs> um and what else uh, uh andrew Shear, the um the leader of the conservative party uh is pro-life and american question and 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 american um so even though he said you know my pro-life policies like i won't i won't you know put them into legislation still cause to make us nervous yeah also just as like blatant homophobia yeah just super doesn't support gay marriage um and what else? Uh, okay, so I guess, and then Elizabeth May has had some. Have you seen this? The, no, some of what's her, this? Some of her candidates, it's come out that she, they she are, did blackface. No, <laughs> no, uh, that it's come out that some of her candidates were also pro-life. Really? Yeah, and which like I'm like holy fuck, oh but God. also Elizabeth May is literally running that whole ship by herself. Yeah. So like, I mean, not great, but like some oversight is probably required. She was the first one with all of her candidates ready to go. Oh my god. Yeah, and a fully costed platform. I'm pretty sure she was the first one. They have, like, the same... Like, so many of the same people have been running for years. Like, my old neighborhood, like, Tim Grant has been running for, like, Forever. This neighborhood. Yeah. This is the neighborhood. We're in it. Yeah. Um, Kate and I just found out that like our families have a cottage like on the same road in Beaverton, Ontario, which is like the randomest, like, Tiniest. least known place. Yeah. Um, Not exactly, like, Muskoka. No, Not, exactly. Not, like, the bougiest no, it's like, country. No, it's, like, no, the people out there, they're, like, you know... Everyone's wearing, like, real tree. Yeah. <laughs> so true no, um, it's not exactly khaki country we, actually we went to the mcdonald's in pulp bolster oh my um, god like where the independent is yeah on the weekend and there was literally it, it took us half an hour to get an egg mcmuffin oh that's beautiful everyone was in fucking mcdonald's <laughs> um, the brunch spot yeah <laughs> um it's not fun to make fun of working class people, it's Kate. Not, no. Call me out. Um, Call me out on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Don't at me. <laughs> uh, so okay, so kind of what's going on, like in terms of support uh, that we've that we're seeing right now is. Um, 
that uh, the liberals and the conservatives are kind of like locked out between like 30 percent like between the three of them or between the two of them rather uh so uh the liberals have like in the last week since the debate on monday which we will talk about have kind of like dropped in the polls in support a little bit uh and the NDP have, like, kind of scooped up some of their support. So, like, the NDP were polling at, the last time I saw, like, 19%. Liberals were at 29%. And, like, the Conservatives were at 31 or 32 And, like, I say this with a uh, asterisk because I really, like, the polls, I don't really think matter until, like, right before Election Day because, as we've seen, like, it's changed so much. Like, when we started the election, the Liberals were, like, ahead, like, by a pretty, like, a a few points. And because of things that have happened in the election uh, so far, like, they have dropped. Um, And uh, I did want to bring the polls up because a lot of people have been asking me, I don't know if they've been asking you, Kate, about strategic voting. Oh, literally my DMs (laughs) every day. Yeah, Yeah. and, like, um, I think, I don't, I actually want to get your perspective on this, but, like, I kind of hate strategic voting. Like, I'm, like, strategic voting is just a way to keep like the people that are in power like in power they like the people the status quo benefits from you strategic voting and like voting for something you don't want uh, rather than something you do want and because young people are the largest voting bloc this election if most of us got out to vote or even like a significant chunk of us got out to vote we could really impact the Uh, this election so like it's possible that if because young people overwhelmingly support progressive measures that like Jagmeet Singh could be the next prime minister of Canada like like, it is literally anything is possible if you go out and vote yeah no I I assumed that like the boomers made up the majority of the electorate but I just found out the other day apparently it it is like millennials have now actually surpassed boomers which is like pretty crazy insane and like it uh, yeah, to comment on the strategic voting thing, it makes me really sad because... Do you want some Bushmills, Kate? I would love... <laughs> of course. The Irish connection. Truly. Okay, anyway. Um, but it it makes me so sad because the idea that, that, like, our system is pretty much based on voting out of fear and, like, it's, mm. like lesser evils yes is is a bad system also um, extremely depressing it's like yeah. <laughs> it's like oh you don't want uh all the social services cut and like a pro-life prime minister then you can get like the next best thing which yeah. is like as we'll see like a fairly mediocre yeah. uh yeah. you know nothing is really gonna change yeah. and uh you're still gonna struggle exactly it's like we blatantly hate poor people and queer people and people of color or we or we say we don't but then our policies do <laughs> wow uh, those oh my are god i feel two s- options yeah i still i feel so confident about the future of our world yeah um but so the point of all of saying all that though is like that like unless you live in like a conservative liberal swing riding and yeah. i say that because you probably aren't gonna live in a conservative ndp swing riding that's probably not gonna happen although if you do like please at me um, <laughs> Those in northern ontario <laughs> yeah maybe like honestly like yeah. hit me up tell me uh, but if you live in a swing riding that's like swing conservative yeah. like you might benefit from like trying to vote if like the ndp candidate is like so like not likely to become the like the mp then maybe you benefit from voting liberal yeah. but uh but like uh honestly like at, at that point, like, I just, I honestly, I just tell people, like, look at the platforms, 
listen to Undecided, look at the platforms, <laughs> and vote with your heart, because ultimately, like, yeah. if everyone fucking did that, then, like, we wouldn't have to, like, withstand another four years of uh, of a liberal government. Yeah. Or yeah. we would or we would get an accurate representation of, like, what people want in our govern- government. So maybe we would get, like, a, a Trudeau-Singh uh, alliance, which is looking more and more likely every single day. Yeah. I think it's also an important thing where, like, especially, like, talking to friends like we follow the american system Mm -hmm. so much so it's important to remind people that we don't vote for our prime minister we vote Mm -hmm. for uh like a local rep yeah um and so like it it's not the same like if you're voting for your local ndp candidate like Mm -hmm. it's not um as like dangerous as like say those people that are like like, as if it were in the American system. I didn't explain that well. But. Uh, it's not as dangerous because, like, uh, we don't... We have, like, first-past-the-post uh, and three parties. So, like, yeah. conceivably, you could, like, have an NDP MP. Yeah, well, it's that thing of, like, you're voting for your writing. You're not voting for, like, your country. So, like, you're not... Your votes aren't being... It's not like we count up all the, like... NDP votes, and then those are going to take away from all the liberal votes. It's like, if you can be less worried about strategic voting Mm. in the sense that, like, say you live in this riding, Mm -hmm. if you vote for, like, our local rep, who I think is, like, um... Christian Freeland? Uh, Oh, Oh, you mean for NDP? Yeah, for, like, uh, Jean-Baptiste... Like, I can't remember. The the name is so long, I don't remember it. But Jean-Baptiste is part of the last name. (laughs) Uh, But essentially, if you vote for her, like, you don't really have to be worried, because it's Christian Freeland's writing. Mm. So, like, we all kind of know that that she's going to win this writing. You don't really have to be as worried as... Uh, well, it's not a. It's not going to swing conservative. Exactly. It's a liberal right. It's exactly. like a liberal, small L liberal writing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you have more questions about strategic voting, you can reach out to me or Kate at our <laughs> respective Instagram accounts, and we'll be happy to answer any more questions. Uh, I'm much more articulate online. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, uh, and then, so okay. Uh, he, and then so. On the strategic voting note uh, and, like, the youth vote note, um, it should really buoy people, like, that are listening to this podcast to hear that youth voting on campuses is up, uh, like, twice the amount that it was last year. So, yeah. uh, not last year, last election. So, in 2015, they started this initiative called, like, on-campus, vo- or something about on-campus voting. I don't remember what it was. But they, like, made polling stations available on campuses and then people voted like way in advance of the election and twice over uh, almost exactly twice the amount of people voted on campus early this this time than they did last time which is huge it's like a hundred and eleven thousand young people yeah and like that should really encourage people because it's that's a new generation like those no new uh, 19 year olds that are like or 18 year olds is it 18 are we? Yes, 18. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh my god, what? 19 is breaking age, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so this is a new generation of people that are, like, becoming politically aware or have been politically aware for years and, yeah. like, are now finally getting the chance to vote. I think that it's really encouraging that we're seeing that because, like, it means that... Uh, it could mean that, like, a lot more of us are showing up, um, yeah. which um, will mean, like, necessarily based on the 
aggregate polling of like our generation that yeah. more a more progressive government, no matter what like the outcome yeah, truly. of the election is. So if you vote at school, you can drag your friends along with you. Make yeah, sure they do too. Yeah. So speaking of which, if you don't already know, election day is October twenty first, next Monday. Um, so please, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're going to go vote anyway so please <laughs> please go to vote you also have the right to uh, take three hours off of work to go vote um so you can that's like a legal a legal right of yours um uh so you can tell your employer they can't dock your pay uh they uh they have to let you go uh vote so the polls are open from 9 a.m to 9 p.m yeah. and um you know hope to see you out there yeah. i'll be out there kate will be out there yeah. if you haven't already voted i went and voted yesterday oh good for yeah. you fuck yeah oh yeah in this right in the, i guess in this writing yeah in yeah. this writing yeah cool. yeah I'm still registered as, like, an Ontario voter. Nice. Yeah. Not for much longer, maybe. <laughs> yeah, next time, probably not. Yeah. No, but definitely go take that three hours off work. Mm-hmm. Go get a coffee or two. Lie in the sun. Yeah, just, like, honestly, like, fuck your employer. Yeah. <laughs> like, go take a break. Go vote. Go walk around. Yeah, yeah. Twiddle your thumbs. Take your whole three hours, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You deserve it. Um. So, w- so we're going to go through the Liberal platform. Uh, we're going to give you what uh, we... Uh, uh, kind of uh, picked out as our highlights. Um, highlights in terms of like things that we thought we could be critical of and also things that we thought were good. Um, it's mostly, gonna warn you, mostly a critique. Um, as two people who voted liberal in 2015, or I don't think I can speak for you on that. Did you vote? I liberal? was too young to vote. Oh my god, yeah, I forgot. I was a massive liberal, but, and like, was like, if you scroll back on my, like, personal Instagram, I think I like make like true, hashtag true daddy mm. jokes and all that. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I was too young to vote, thank goodness. But you, like <laughs> most other young people in that, election were completely enchanted by this guy Mm -hmm. like he came in and he was like i'm gonna make real change and he had like a lot of like what at the time because he came out more left than the ndp the ndp were running on a balanced budget uh, which is crazy uh like he seemed like his promises were, like, almost radical. Yeah, well, uh, they he was were, promising. like, left of the NDP in so many ways. Like, yeah, in the, like, fact that they were going to run a deficit um, mm-hmm. on a weed. A big deficit, yeah. Weed was a big one. Because um, I think the NDP said they were just going to decriminalize it, whereas mm-hmm. the liberals said they were mm-hmm. going to fully legalize it. Mm-hmm. Um, he also for- stood in, like, huge contrast to Stephen Harper, who had yeah. been in power for... That was 2015, 2006. So so almost a decade, uh, Stephen Harper had been in power. And so he stood in in huge contrast to Stephen Harper. Stephen Harper had, like, muddied our presence on the world stage. He didn't answer any journalist's questions. Like, Trudeau was, like, the, this, like, beautiful, shiny alternative. And, like, he seemed, and, like, with these, like, very progressive policy measures he had, it was like, oh, my God, like, this is, like, our, he's going to put Canada back on the Yeah, what was it, the the cost of, like... Because it's 2016. Oh, yeah. Like, or 2015 at 2015, first. yeah. But then it was 20... Yeah, yeah. But hearing that sort of stuff, especially, like, as a young person, you're yeah. like, hell yeah. Like, I remember, like, he... 
uh, promised changes surrounding like electoral reform and all oh, that. Oh, that was like the. I think that was the biggest. One. That was the reason why I loved him. I mm-hmm. thought that was so cool, and that's so, why I can't stand him now. <laughs> yeah. So he. It, and this I actually think is like really significant. So in 2015, he promised to review um, our electoral system, which is a first past the post system, um, and sh- uh, possibly change it to a. Um, like proportional proportional representation yeah. uh which I think and the, they're in favor of like a list system too yeah they, they wanted to like review it like they yeah. wanted and they ultimately they said this is the last election in a first past the post system and yeah. we don't have time to get into like the interest intricacies of that yeah. but what would be your like biggest critique about the first past the post system kate like it's uh it doesn't accurately represent like the views of yeah exactly most canadians it's, it's a plurality-based system rather than a majority-based system. So it's, like, whoever... And to explain that, it's essentially, like, it's not whoever holds the majority of the Canadian vote who's in power. Uh It's whoever has more votes than the other parties. Um, Which means that, like, you could have... Let's say the Liberal Party has more votes than the other parties, but they could still be at, like, 40% of Canadians, or even less. Like, it's... The majority of Canada could have not wanted them in power. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it also really alienates certain people, like, <coughs> leftists, uh, <laughs> who, you know, I, I don't really have any parties that represent my views. Mm-hmm. But if we had a proportional representation, then um, parties that did have represent views like mine mm-hmm. could actually exist and mm-hmm. influence our system mm-hmm. um which if you hate marxism might be an argument against this but <laughs> yeah but it would also like mean the same thing for right-wing politics mm-hmm. um it would just mean a system that's more representative of its electorate yeah which i think is a good idea well i think it really speaks to that going back to the like strategic voting thing yeah. like the strategic voting thing doesn't really have to happen in a proportional representation system as much exactly um although it does happen um and proportional representation has its own problems but um it doesn't really matter because we're not we're still voting in a first pass the system <laughs> this election folks so uh to dive in uh and i think this is this was the hugest this was like the largest thing that like the liberals were promising in 2015 um their biggest their one of three biggest campaign promises they have is more money for middle class families so the trudeau platform says we believe in helping those who need it most middle class canadians and people working hard to join them that's uh low-income canadians (laughs) uh we're proposing a tax cut where a middle-class family gets $600 and the wealthiest 1% gets zero. We will make sure the middle class pay no federal taxes on the first $15,000 they earn by raising the basic personal amount by almost $2,000 for people earning $147,000 a year. The conservatives, on the other hand, have a plan that would go back to giving tax breaks to millionaires. That's not fair. This is like a direct reading from the platform. Um... And so there's all a bunch of like measures that they will that they are taking to like uh, quote ensure more money for middle class families unquote. But um, as we'll dig into like a little bit more, th- what will be given to middle class families and those wishing to join the middle class is 
like to me like kind of insulting yeah it doesn't address like the root causes of like why the fact that this is like systemic yeah Yeah. why people like are in these like um situations and like i mean i don't mean like i don't even mean like people that are living in poverty even like I, i mean obviously i include them in this group of people but i mean like just like the largest voting block uh, like our people our age we have so few job prospects we are like under a huge tower of student debt uh we are inheriting a climate crisis um most of us are like really mentally fucked up (laughs) (laughs) like as um, you would be, like, being, like, with debt and an impending yeah. uh, doom surrounding your planet. Yeah. You would be a little depressed. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, like, $600 or even $2,000, like, a year more yeah. is really not going to make that much of a difference. Yeah. And we'll see, like, a bunch of examples as, like, okay, yes, there's, like, some, like, actual middle class, like, uh, things that like or there's a nod to middle class like problems like home ownership but it assumes a baseline income that most Canadians can't even dream of meeting yeah. um so we'll get into that in a moment um Kate you want to read the about, uh talk about what they want to do on the climate crisis oh yeah do you want me to read their yeah just read their bit okay so it says Over the past four years, we took significant action to protect our environment and fight climate change, including putting a price on pollution, banning single-use plastics, protecting great swaths of our land and oceans. A re-elected liberal government will build on this progress and continue to take ambitious action to fight climate change by committing Canada to net net zero by 2050, Uh, planting two billion trees, making our country the best place in the world to build a clean tech company. In October, the choice will be clear. We can go back to the Harper years when the conservatives did nothing about climate change or fight for a better future. So the the net zero by 2050 is new and, like, kind yeah. of huge. Like, uh, that's a huge goal. Yeah. Uh, and, and, like, a really good goal. They actually have, like, met their emissions targets, like, that they agreed to under the Paris Climate Agreement. Like... Like they're they're on track to meet those. Really? Yeah, which is like impressive. Um, but as we'll see, there's like a lot of asterisks to that as well. Like um, they built a pipeline, uh, which doesn't which doesn't contribute to emissions, which I think is actually something like really? we should talk about. But yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, or but, I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, uh, and like I mean, it's great. Planting trees. We love trees. <laughs> Great. What's it? Uh, like two billion trees? Uh, two billion trees. Two billion trees. Yeah, two billion trees. Awesome. This is the two billion trees plan, folks. Um, and the also the the tweet for that was so condescending. Oh, what was where, it? Yeah, Trudeau tweeted, like, um, in the next ten years, we're going to plant two billion trees. That's it. That's the tweet. <laughs> it was like sorry, I just spit all over Kate. It. That's the tweet. Um, Yo, what? <laughs> did you have bits from your book that you wanted to read about this? Oh, oh gosh. Because um, I think this is a good time to do it. I don't know if they talk about the trees because this is like. But this before. is environment, environment stuff. Um, let me because this is, speaks to their record, right? Oh well, this is kind of funny. Where like one of the quotes I have is about one of Trudeau's like 
uh, top advisors like Gerald Butts. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it's referencing um, how in 2009 he would sign a joint public statement from several environmental groups calling for the government to, quote unquote, declare a moratorium on the expansion of tar sands development and halt further approval of infrastructure that would lock us into using dirty liquid fuels. Gerald Butts used to be um, in charge of Canada's WWF, Mm -hmm. World Wildlife Fund. Mm -hmm. Um, Wait, so it was Trudeau who signed this or Gerald? That was Butts. Yeah, that was Butts that signed that. Um, And I just think that that's really interesting, you know? Yeah, it's just funny, like, once you go into politics, how your uh, views can can change. Yeah. And it's funny, too, that Trudeau's now tweeting all this stuff, being like, oh, I'm such an environmentalist, when, uh, where was this? In 2017, Trudeau received an award from oil and gas industries, industry executives, at a summit in Houston, Texas. Oh, God. Where he said, quote-unquote, no country would find 173 billion barrels of oil in the ground. And just leave it there, he said to a standing ovation. Also, these quotes are from a really awesome book called The Trudeau Formula, Seduction and Betrayal in the Age of Discon- in an Age of Discontent by Martin Lukacs. And it is a brilliant book that I could not recommend more. <laughs> yeah, and it just it essentially goes over the hypocrisy of the Trudeau regime. And there's a lot of really great quotes in there. There's another one... Um, What's the... Um, in March 2016, Trudeau co- told a conference that the, quote-unquote, choice between pipelines and wind turbines is a false one. We need both to reach our goal. And as we continue to ensure there is a market for natural resources, our deepening commitment to a cleaner future will be a valuable advantage. Um, which is just kind of sad. It doesn't make sense. Well, it's just... <laughs> I mean, so... Uh, the interesting thing about the pipeline thing is that, like, it actually doesn't, like, it in and of itself, like, building a pipeline doesn't uh, make emissions go up. Yeah. Um, like, to transfer, uh, like, oil through a pipeline is not, like, increasing emissions. What it is doing is transporting oil more efficiently out to market. Yeah, yeah you're which not makes putting it, it on trains or something. And it's more, it's more, it's actually more environmentally conscious in that way <laughs> because you're not like, you know, driving a truck with or a train with your fucking oil in it. Yeah. But the point is, is that it, it makes it more environmentally, but also economically or financially efficient to, to export oil, um, which in, which in and of itself, um, encourages the uh, continued uh, extraction of oil because when oil is cheap to get to market, it uh, as like an energy... Oh, you're not connected to Yeah, the I was going to look something up, but I'm not connected. Here, here, here. Use mine. I don't know what you're looking for. So um, it just becomes like... It just becomes like, you know... I don't think Trudeau has really argued much on the the pipeline thing because he knows that like it's kind of a losing battle to be like well we, I, I had to do the pipeline but it's I find it kind of just I between the indigenous stuff and the um the indigenous stuff and the like environmental like pledges I find it like an insulting like he didn't say he wouldn't build a pipeline yeah but it's like dude we, Kate and I talked before, like, about how, okay, instead of, like, you know, 
um, having the crisis about leaving the oil in the ground, take all your oil workers, your your fracking yeah. extraction people, retrain them and put them as like solar panel engineers yeah. or like literally any green tech, like literally yeah. anything. You like you're the government yeah. of Canada. We're one of the richest countries in the world. We could literally do anything with those people. Yeah. We could create a government, like we could create a government company and like. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because here he is talking about like investing in the middle class and the working class, but like that seems like one of the greatest ways to do that. Mm. Right? Like, oh my God. The, yes. And it's also funny to go back to pipelines too. What I was looking up is, is they, people constantly talk. It's such a talking point that like pipelines are safer and they're a cleaner mm. um, way of doing this. But the, the sad thing is, is that like they leak. They leak. All the time, and they leak. Oh, really? Yeah. And then, and here, what I was looking up is like, um, all the like, uh, explosions and accidents that have happened, and Uh, these are just the ones in Canada. And since 1962, like, we're looking through, and it's like you have to scroll for like like a minute. Oh my god. Um, yeah, that's like, crazy because you know you know the you remember Lech Megantic, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think the thing about the pipeline, uh, for for most people is like, oh, this is like a safe way to get oil to market. Yeah. This is like, uh, this is clean and safe uh, and whatever. But uh, as opposed to like travel by rail, where like the Megantic disaster like killed like a hundred people. Yeah. It's a horrible, like devastating like day, and. Uh, but this, like, the, the, oh my god, I, this list that Kate has brought up here is crazy. Yeah, like, the most recent one is <laughs> on, on October 9th, a 39-inch Enbridge National gas, gas Pipeline exploded uh, 13 kilometers north of Prince George, B.C. About 1 million B.C. customers and uh, 750,000 U.S. customers uh, are, like, currently affected. Natural gas customers are being asked to reduce use. So natural like, gas is different than oil yeah. uh, in a pipeline. What trans, trans mountain uh, pipeline? 23 barrels of crude were released in oh my 2007. Um, yeah, um... Uh, 2017 on February 17th, a total of 962 barrels of oil, uh, condensate in Strathcona County, County, Alberta, were released from a line. Um, yeah, it's just something like worth looking into. Um, oh, interesting. Okay, well, that is actually a really good point uh, too. I mean, uh, wow. No, what I was initially actually looking for was I remember, um. During uh, all the stuff with, like, Innistoten, people were talking about the fact that, like, these pipelines actually put, like, water, like, communities' uh, water at risk. Like, when they leak, it, like, gets into the water. Oh. And, like, so (laughs) if we're, like, I'm kind of skipping ahead. Um, So, like, pipelines specifically on, like, unceded territory... Um, that makes it even more worse because it's just showing that like this is on indigenous yeah uh, on indigenous territory yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm I'm skipping ahead but like I was looking for that I can't find it right now but well I mean I should have looked it up earlier I'm sure <laughs> but no no but like the there's there's all this. I, I, like all this stuff, like like oil, uh, oil being like leaked into like the ground. Yeah, like, exactly. It's not, it's Which not, doesn't just like disappear. It, yeah, it doesn't just like yeah, yeah. 
fact, just like wait a few months and it'll just like dissolve. The, the thing that's frustrating about this like pipeline stuff is like it 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 doesn't have to be this way. Like it doesn't, and yeah. everyone is like, oh, but we like we can't leave it in the ground. It's like yes, you fucking can. You can leave it in the ground. Leave it in the fucking ground. And yeah. like like the energy sector is moving towards renewable like energy anyway yeah so like don't why are we still doing this That's the and the world thing. is bur- also the world is burning i don't know if yeah. you knew that the world is burning yeah but even like all these big um companies are now looking into renewable energy because mm. they know that like economically it makes more sense oh yeah they're not because do- like, they're sure as hell not doing it for like the moral yeah like reasons like it makes more sense now money-wise yeah to invest in renewable energy yeah um yeah so it's just like it, i yeah i can't even hear like real excuses yeah <laughs> that no, that's, makes sense it's such, yeah like if you literally have like shell and exxon and all these companies looking into it now it's like then like um, come on yeah <laughs> like, yeah and you i mean even from a centrist perspective you can get these like you can yeah you could actually get like a public private like you could like get these companies on board with you if you wanted as a government and anyway exactly getting into the weeds here a little bit not super important yeah. for like you, uh the typical millennial voter purpose but <laughs> the point is yeah. is like i feel I, I i think it's like so silly that people are like um you know oh like they like talk down to like young people especially they're like oh you just don't understand like it yeah like these are like you know it th- th- like it has to be this way and it's like no it doesn't like it really doesn't have to be this way yeah. and anyone that tells you that like i would question and if they ask you for facts then you can look them up <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and it, it, I think we, we talked about this earlier. Lots of other economies have moved to a greener. Exactly. Like, we, we talked about this before, and it's that thing of, like, even if it is something that, that is really difficult, like, it's worth doing, because, like, we don't really have... Any it's an emergency. Option. Yeah, it's, it's a It's fully an emergency. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's absurd that we even... Like, obviously, economics are... Like, people keep being like, oh, like, if your economy is based on it, off of this resource, then, like you have to take that into account and it's mm-hmm. like well like if your economy is based on this resource that we're running out of mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> um then you should change then and you should diversify that. that's, your bad economy. that's a bad economy yeah you're, you're not doing great sweetie <laughs> yeah um all right so we're gonna move on to the last kind of like big promise from the liberals which is stronger gun control um, so the, what the liberals are saying is that gun crime in Canada is on the rise and today our country has no clear classification for assault rifles, making it legal to buy several military style weapons. Andrew Shear's policy on guns was written by the gun lobby. He has an agenda that will make it easier for criminals to get their hands on assault rifles. That's wrong. And a, re- a reelected liberal government will strengthen gun control and ban assault weapons in Canada. And so... Um, they're correct to say that gun crime in Canada is on the rise. In Toronto especially, like, almost every single morning in the last two months I've woken up and there's been a shooting. I don't know... Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but... I really don't know what's going on, but, um, like, a lot of people, like, relate it to, like, uh, like, smuggling guns from the U.S. and, like, increased gang activity, but the point is, is, um, this policy, um, about, like, banning assault weapons doesn't, uh, help this problem at all, because everybody knows that when you want to, like, fix gang 
activity, you have to get to the root causes, which is um, strengthening communities, um, investing in education, um, like... um, mental health support like people the reason people get involved in gangs is because like they don't have anywhere else to go um so okay so a and b this is actually an even more important problem which is that um the guns that are being used to shoot people in canada today in in toronto every single day are handguns not assault weapons so assault weapons are like military like Mm ak-47s handguns are like a pistol like uh, not a pistol like a uh, like a a handgun like pow pow like uh fucking (laughs) soprano shit and uh um according to to stats canada handguns were used in 59 percent of all violent gun gun crimes in 2017 whereas a rifle or shotgun was used 17 percent uh 17 percent of uh, reported offenses so uh these are like the assault weapons that the liberals are planning on banning and they're like saying we're gonna do meaningful action on gun control but it's like dude you're not even like banning the weapons that like are doing the crime so i don't know uh and the handguns won't be dealt with until after the election according to the liberals so i'm uh, i i'm skeptical of this policy like having any sort of effect on like if you're if you're if you're like a voter I'm, which i'm sure this is like very few people in canada if you're voting on gun control or gun things yeah. the liberals like do not have a policy that are like that is like yeah. strong on this at all yeah all right um kate do you want to like briefly talk about y- your overall thoughts on the platform yeah sure um i guess to like summarize my thoughts on like i i read the whole platform and it was this thing where i was like wow, like, I, as I said before, like, uh, subscribe to a certain Marxist school of thought. <laughs> uh, to put it nicely. <laughs> and uh, but reading the liberal platform, um, I was like, oh, yeah, like, a lot of this is, is really great. Like, there's a lot of really awesome stuff in there. Um, obviously, I don't agree with a lot of it, but, like, considering I was, I was going into it expecting a lot less. Mm-hmm. Reading, I was like, wow, this is like really progressive, um, and I just think it's it's really interesting, sort of like the Liberal Party's appropriation of leftist rhetoric and and policy. I, I like if you're to compare the like NDP platform and the Liberal platform on rhetoric, they're very similar. They're really similar. Like, there's mm-hmm. not a lot that's different. I think. Actually, the conservative platform is kind of similar on that. Like, it's about, like, more people, like, getting, like, the little guy getting ahead. Like, uh, we need to invest and stuff like this. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but I just... So it's interesting because it's kind of that thing of, like, I understand why people would look at these two platforms, like, liberal and NDP, and be like, why would I vote for the NDP? Because, like, their platforms are pretty similar, but, like, the liberals have a history of actually running government so like Mm -hmm. why wouldn't i just vote for them Mm -hmm. right like and it is actually very typical for like governments to serve two terms here in canada like it's very you have to really fuck up to like not be reelected. that's so true um yeah and i thought that was really interesting also the thing where they uh like reading through it like in the charts well they'll compare their policies to other parties they only do it with the conservatives which mm-hmm. sort of reinforces that idea that like well the other parties are irrelevant mm-hmm. we're the only two parties mm-hmm. that have ever held government we're mm-hmm. the only two parties that really matter in these conversations mm-hmm. like they don't even reference 
uh, NDP or Greens, um, really. Um, yeah, and I just thought that was really interesting. I guess, like, the um, last thing I'd say, like, on the overall stuff is the... In the same... in Similar to 2015, the liberals, like, run on this, like, um, rhetoric of like the that is similar to the NDP. That's like, yeah. oh, we're gonna change and like big like spending and like whatever. No, it, it the liberals actually are not uh, advertising big spending this time around, but last time they did. But the point is, is that now they're like, okay, we're gonna give more money to the middle class. Yeah, and when you actually like dig your teeth into it it's actually it actually doesn't come out as like that much more and we're gonna see that now yeah it's also funny too because they've been i don't know if you've been on seeing on twitter like hashtag sheer cuts Uh uh-huh like so essentially what that is is the um liberals most recent like attack ads against the conservative party have been referencing um all the cuts that the conservatives are proposing Mm -hmm. um and they're just showing that like they're cuts to the middle class and the working class and like mm-hmm. how they're gonna um affect us so it's it's funny because they're they're really buckling down on the like we see we actually are investing mm-hmm. in, like but Canadians. like such a like meager amount like yeah. i actually can't I, I i i'm i'm shocked actually at how tone deaf this yeah this platform is like on spending because of what like the current how people how much people are struggling yeah like what they've kind of tossed your way is like yeah. sort of insulting yeah there's like a fucking housing crisis like i can't afford to move back to toronto like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh like looking for apartments like i can't afford like twenty five hundred dollars a month um to live with like in a one bedroom with a partner like that's no. just not no i don't gonna i don't make that kind of money <laughs> exactly like yeah. even with them saying like they're gonna try and raise the minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour. Like, I mean, fi- that's already happened in Ontario. Thank yeah. you very oh. much, Kathleen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank like, you so much. Yeah. But like, it's it's insulting because when fifteen dollars an hour, like that conversation arise, that was years ago. Oh yeah, that was years oh, ago. Yeah. It should be way higher than that now. Oh that yeah, is not the cost of how much like it is to live in Canada like mm-hmm. not even major cities but even like even s- like smaller communities like it costs a fortune yeah that's such it's on the nose okay so um all right so let's 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 chat about the environment first so the liberals in, implemented a carbon tax um in the last 4 years mm-hmm. um they put a price on carbon it has helped them make uh, meet their uh, they're on track to meet their goals for Paris 2030 by 2030 yeah. and they have as we said uh, committed to net zero by 2050 emissions which yeah. is like a pretty big um, pretty big commitment as Kate said they're kind of short on the details yeah. of how they're gonna do this yeah. uh, other than planting a billion two billion trees um, uh, what else on the environment? What is this? Uh, what is it about the Nestle and water thing? Did you want to talk about? Oh that? well, that was. I kind of just like was reading and writing down all the things I was mad about. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, but so they they have this whole thing talking about water. Like they're gonna do this like new Canada Water Agency, mm. um, which again like they don't give any details as to what that's referring to really. 
Um, oh. It just says, um, to ensure that Canada is better prepared to protect and manage our fresh water in a changing climate, we'll move forward with a new Canada Water Agency. The agency will work together with the provinces and territories, Indigenous communities, local authorities, scientists, and others to find the best way to keep our water safe, clean, and well-managed. And I just was like... Great, we love to keep our water safe, clean, and well-managed. Yeah, and like, I just thought that that was... Like, I want more details because it's, like, I think about stuff like Nestle and mm -hmm. how, like, they are literally selling our water back to us. And I think about, like, as um, the climate changes and it gets hotter, like, water quality is getting worse. And so access to clean water is going to get harder and harder. And so if we have private corporations like Nestle having ownership over what is... I would say the property of all Canadians. Mm -hmm. Water is something that I think is should be publicly owned. Uh -huh. um, it just scares the shit out of me, uh, to put it quite brutally. Yeah. Um, because it's like, w with water quality, quality getting worse, they can jack up the prices. And like, I think water is like a basic human right. Like, uh, we can't live without it. Yeah. Don't think that's like, a crazy thing to say. No. Um, and so, like, that's just like a really scary thing. And I think that's something that, like, the government should be taking, like, more initiative towards, like, having public ownership, like, not, you shouldn't be able to have, to be able to sell Canadians water. Yeah. Like, a private company shouldn't be able to sell us water. I think that's wrong. The water thing is really interesting, because my mom and dad were actually talking about the other day how they were like, we, I remember when bottled water, like, became a thing, my dad said, and he was like, we thought it was the most ridiculous thing ever. <laughs> it's like, okay, like, what? Like, yeah. okay, first of all, this is... Why would you buy water? Like, yeah. uh, this is ours. And also, like, what are you made of money? Like, yeah. like, yeah, like so... buying three a $3 bottle of yeah. water? Yeah. But now it's, like, normal. Yeah, and I think also the water thing is another, like, slap in the face when it comes to things like... Um, just, like, your comment about bottled water reminded me of... Um, a tweet I saw about, like, the indigenous water crisis, mm. and I, oh, I, Good segue, I forget actually. which um, activist it was, but they essentially, like, were saying that, like, we wouldn't have to buy so much bottled water if we had access to clean water, and I think that's such an important mm -hmm. point. I don't know if you want to say more about, like, uh, that, like, if, I don't know, just things like uh, communities like Grassy Narrows or, like, Shoal Lake 40 hasn't had clean water in, like, decades. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, like, an ongoing And what are issue. they, like, do you know what the, like, main source of these, like, like, why these communities don't have, like, clean drinking water? Like, yeah. is it because they're, like, near, like, I think it's, I, all I know is fracking. that it's contamination. Yeah. I, I cannot speak to what is the specific cause to be So one of the, like, the biggest, you. like, kind of tragedies of the Trudeau government is, like, this boil water advisory thing that they pledged to, uh, like, fix, and apparently they've gotten, like, three quarters of them lifted, um, but I, this is, like, some, like, I hate to use this term, but this is, like, some third world shit. Like, Canada is a really rich country. Yeah. We're rich in natural resources. We are financially rich. Like, there's no reason anybody in this country should have to boil water. And 
um, well, there are a, there is a significant portion of the indigenous community that has to continue to do this. Yeah. And I'm not saying like all of this falls on the Trudeau government's shoulders, like of the last four years. Like obviously, there's been yeah, a lot of horrible this shit dates back to way before that. But it's like. I don't know, like, the Trudeau government was, like, did this big Truth and Reconciliation Commission thing, um, you know, where they heard the testimonies of people that had been taken away to residential schools in in a meaningful kind of action towards, like, helping these communities, um, like, recover from the horrible impact of um, colonial settler, uh, like... Violence, yeah. Yeah, and... Mm. Um, like the I, I I'm not I'm really not convinced that um whatever has been done in the last four years has been even close to enough. Yeah. I think it's that thing of like someone needs to explain to and people have been explaining this actually to Trudeau. He just needs to actually like listen that mm-hmm. like reconciliation is more than just like saying you're sorry, but mm-hmm. is actually like doing full your of, like, sorry. Is action. Yeah. It's <laughs> doing like your sorry. Reparations. It's like uh, in terms of either, like, land, money, like, just showing money. you actually, like, care about these communities mm-hmm. in a way that, like, is tangible. Mm-hmm. Like, giving them access to clean drinking water. Yeah. Like, I have the stats up here, and it's, like, uh, in May 2008, there were 174 drinking water advisories in over 100 First Nations. And that's just, like, yeah, or, like, uh, some of the advisories um, date back to as far as 1995, like Shoal Lake 40, uh, First Nation. Wow. Um, and it's just like, <laughs> it's just like heartbreaking because it's that thing of like, I don't know if you saw, like, um, Jake Meet Singh was questioned by someone um, kind of being like, I think the, the journalist oh. was asking about, like, well, like, how can you expect? Canadians to pay for this, or like that is a lot of money. He said if this was Montreal or Toronto, yeah, or something, and like, it's true. Canadians like, wouldn't be asking why; they'd exactly. be asking why hasn't this already happened? Exactly. Like it's absurd that we're even questioning. Do you want this. to talk about environmental racism a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I guess like I, um, I don't have too much to say. Just the sense of like, I think that when we're talking about climate change, we need to be intersectional in the sense that we need to talk about how it's affecting different communities in Canada differently like Mm -hmm. how stuff like uh this like even this would be an example of like environmental racism and the fact that like um yeah like it wouldn't even be an issue if these were like if this was like a white like area yeah if this was like vancouver like Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be something that's happening or like you can also think about like uh dating like bringing it back to like bottled water and like clean uh and like the nestle thing of like how climate change is going to affect different communities differently like if you're a rich white person like climate change isn't going to be as bad for you Mm because your access you're going to be able to do things like afford to buy water filtration system for your house and Mm -hmm. you're going to be able you know like do all these refurbishments Mm -hmm. and such so it's like a little it's like or move even or move move if you're in a coastal city exactly whereas like some people like that's not an option and i think that like our conversations around climate change need to include that Mm -hmm. right um like it's yeah that's kind of i don't have too much no that's no that's uh no it's just a important i think nod yeah and i think the tie into the election is that like i think that it's the government's job to look out for the people that are gonna be the most 
harmed by this. And I think that there need to be policies in place specifically addressing how different communities are going to be um, having to deal with the, the consequences of, of climate change. Speaking of different communities, tell us what you found when you were reading through the pat- platform on the indigenous Métis and Inuit. Um, oh, yeah. I just thought <laughs> I was like reading through the platform, the Liberal Party platform, and there's a part um, called Building a Better Future with Indigenous Peoples. Um, and which they go into, they have a section on, um, where is it? Uh, supporting First Nations, pri- uh, First Nations priorities. And then they have supporting Inuit pri- priorities and then supporting Métis Nation priorities. Uh, but they're pretty much a copy and pasted versions of the same thing with like slightly little differences, uh, which I think just but they've like, just like edited like the it replaced like First Nations with I- Métis or in- yeah like or there's Inuit. slight differences, um, but it's reading it I was like what's going on like this is all and, really similar for Inuit, like really distinct uh, groups <laughs> like yeah that's... like those are three <clears throat> very different communities with uh, like that are in different parts of Canada like <laughs> that have different issues. different histories yeah. yeah. Um, and it just like completely reinforces like the Canadian uh, thing of like all like indigenous is one means one thing and it's not an umbrella Mm -hmm. term. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, they, the liberal party is, uh, committed to banning single use plastics or eliminating all single use plastics by 2030, which like great, like great that we're not going to be creating like horrible like garbage anymore but um like uh not uh single-use plastics like kind of gets back to like the user like putting it on yeah. the user which is like the and like emission uh sorry putting uh like the like climate change like issues on uh single individuals yeah where the problem it really lies in like carbon emissions which yeah. are like produced by large companies yeah um and cars. Yeah, I think it's 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 that's actually one of my biggest frustrations with like um, conversations surrounding climate change is, as you said, they put the onus on like individual consumers rather than consumerism mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's capitalism. Though. Exactly. That's and that's why I take issue with capitalism. Um, but it, it's more on like, that in Kate's zine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's really frustrating. Like, I remember when I was younger, like, uh, conversations starting climate change were always like, remember like when you're brushing your teeth to turn off the faucet and Mm -hmm. like take shorter showers, Mm -hmm. turn off the lights when you leave the room. Exactly. And it's, it's such an insult because you look at something like the, you look at like how much like individuals, like how much water we use as individuals versus like municipal golf courses for instance <laughs> and it's it's incomparable like it's we have municipal golf courses well, like uh, golf courses in municipalities cities. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. i was like i was like wait, wait do we have public golf courses that's <laughs> the toronto crazy. golf course <laughs> yes don't you know um yeah and wow. it just, yeah, yeah it's yeah. infuriating and it it's infantilizing and totally uh, also, it's just not the problem. Like, you are not... Yeah. You personally, like, your single-use plastic is not the problem. Exactly. You're even... It's like driving to work. Like, it is, like, 
uh, obviously, uh, like, a bigger problem than, like, your single-use plastic, but, like, the biggest emitters are, like, the people, uh, the, the the corporations that, like, produce oil and gas yeah. and or, or energy. Um, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It, uh, not to tie this too much to American politics, but it reminds me of, like, Elizabeth Warren saying that she wants to create a greener military when, like, the U.S. military is one of the biggest polluters on the planet. Yeah. So, like, having a green military is such, like, a oxymoron, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just So why do you need such a military but different conversation? Yeah. Um, Okay, what about this? So let's just, like, take a break from shitting on the Trudeau plan for a second and talk about the thing that you thought was, one of the things you thought was good, which is this safety and well-being of Canadians. Yeah. This is anti-terror stuff, I think. Oh, uh, oh no. Is it? Actually, the first thing I have what is your... they are providing, they want to provide oh, yeah. free legal aid to survivors of sexual assault and intimate partner violence uh, to make sure they have access to quality, affordable legal representation, uh, establishing independent criminal case review commission uh, to make it easier and faster for potentially wrongfully convicted people to have their applications reviewed. Um, requiring that all judges in Canada undertake mandatory training on sexual assault law, including myths and stereotypes about victims and the effects of trauma on victims' memory, uh, and providing additional support to the provinces and territories to enable them to like hire as many as 425 new Crown prosecutors 20, uh, and uh, 225 new judges to like help reduce delays. Which is, like, you can't argue, is... A great policy. Yeah, I think just, like, any policy that um, recognizes that we do have, like, horrible uh, systemic issues surrounding um, sexual violence in Mm -hmm. Canada is Mm -hmm. really important. And, I mean, obviously, that's not... Like, there's certain aspects of that that aren't going to change anything. Like, for instance, like, how uh, difficult it is to go into a police office as a uh someone who's experienced assault and like mm-hmm. the stigma you're gonna face there mm-hmm. um or the fact that like just like uh cultural norms i don't think that addresses that too yeah. much but um the free legal aid i think is a really great idea because like that is something really scary yeah um not knowing so just like um a barrier yeah, exactly. Like a financial barrier. Exactly. Yeah. They also said they would ban conversion therapy. Like, yeah. they would criminalize. They put it in the criminal code that, like, it's a, like it's a criminal offense. Yeah, and that's actually, like, a really big pop problem in Quebec right now. So, like, oh, doing really? it... Oh yeah, making God. it, like, a federal ban would yeah. be amazing because mm-hmm. um, in Quebec it is legal right now. Wow. Yeah. That's nuts. Or at least it was. I know there's a move to criminalize it in Quebec. Uh-huh. Um, okay, the anti-racism strategy is, uh, I find these platform, like, things really funny, and all yeah. platforms are like this, but it, it's just, it's like, okay, we're gonna, like, adopt an anti-racism strategy, uh, we're going to, uh, like, find some, like, consultants to, like, help us, like, devise this, yeah. and it will help build awareness of the historical roots of racism, uh, and empower communities to draw their lived experiences as we draw on their lived experiences as we work together to build a more accepting and equal country. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously I'm not going to be like, I, I don't think anti-racism is good, but like, yeah. it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. No, what I, it's are just you going like, to do? Yeah, what about no like, details. what about like into like, com- 
community integration yeah. or like like you know addressing the root causes of raci- racism yeah like economic insecurity yep or like <laughs> how about we talk about like our prison system yeah <laughs> like the issue of um how certain groups are disproportionately um represented in our um prisons yeah the fact that like indigenous men and women are way more likely exactly or like way uh overrepresented in, in our prison systems yeah. uh considering the actual population yeah. of like indigenous people in canada yeah um so it's like it's like okay none of this stuff like that you and i just mentioned is like even like written yeah it's or acknowledged exactly. under this strategy which is like the first step i would say to racism is like acknowledging the things yeah. that and uh, like, how it's present in our society yeah 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 uh they do talk about a fair justice system and acknowledgement uh and acknowledge the overrepresentation of minorities uh, in the pr- prison system but they don't acknowledge it in the fucking anti-racism yeah. strategy. Pivoting to pharmacare briefly, the liberals said that they would, like, uh, do... They would, like, review pharmacare, like, a, 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 a national pharmacare plan in 2015, and they did. They, like, made a council, and they put Eric Hoskin, Hoskins as the, like, <clears throat> the, like, lead guy uh, on it. Eric Hoskins is a doctor and also the former health minister of Ontario. And then <laughs> he basically, like, just reviewed their pharmacare plan and was like, this is not enough to start a pharmacare plan. And also, it puts a lot of the cost on uh, provinces, which will make it even harder to implement because, especially, like, provinces like Alberta, like, if the if the libs do get into power, um, like, it's going to require a lot of spending on like provincial fronts yeah. which is uh just a huge barrier to implementation and like this is a huge problem in canada like people don't get like the f- like pharmacare they need yeah. like every Prozac's single day expensive. <laughs> yeah yeah and like we have a mental health crisis so like a lot of people are on meds uh not yeah. great yeah no for instance like i have a friend who deals with like chronic pain and she is like terrified because like her meds for her chronic pain are so expensive already yeah and this is like with them being partly covered yeah so she's like if i like that she messaged me actually about like um strategic voting she was so scared of like conservatives Mm. falling to power and her having an even worse deal and like having to like like she already has to like limit like her like pain meds Mm -hmm. and like has to like go through all this like agony pretty much because she can't afford to like have as many meds as she needs mm-hmm. which is like no one should be living in that kind of pain mm-hmm. because they can't afford mm-hmm. meds that's horrible mm-hmm. yeah and like millions if not hundreds of thousands of people live in like situations like that exactly. every single day and like can't get the treatment they need exactly or the or the like uh, meds they need um okay last like kind of bits here so what uh we have kind of uh covered some indigenous stuff uh here and there yeah what do you think we're missing yeah i think it's just that thing of just like um acknowledging sort of like the hypocrisy in the liberal platform surrounding environmental and indigenous issues and like they kind of mention that they're interrelated, but not really. Mm. Like, you can't talk about climate issues in Canada without recognizing the need for, like... uh, Like, for instance, with, like, 
water, where is it? Um, so for instance, with water, the Trudeau government um, has said like they've actually done a lot to um, help the issue of like um, boil water advisories. Mm-hmm. And in certain communities they yeah, have, that's true. Right, and so, but the, the I think the key thing to acknowledge with that is, um, here are the stats, it says, the Trudeau government committed to ending these water advisories by 2021, which they still say they're gonna do. Uh, but very little progress has been made and the needed funding has not been committed to ending this crisis. Instead, the Liberal government has been promoting public-private partnerships, P3s, instead, or uh, P3s as a solution. Uh, History has shown that P3s cost more, they lead to privatization of water, and a loss of community control and jobs. P3s are not the answer to drinking water, to the drinking water crisis in First Nations. And that's from the Council of Canadians website. Um, Yeah, and I think we just, like, have to support, like, Indigenous people's right to self-government and self-determination and, like, stop thinking that like settler Canada knows better mm. um because like we're kind of the ones that got us in this problem in the first place so like maybe we should just like listen for once mm. like i think that that there's a lot of telling not a lot of listening exactly i mean probably more listening in the truth and reconciliation yeah. commission that has happened like uh, than b- before but it's like what we said at the beginning like okay like yeah you did better than the harper government yeah the bar was pretty low yeah, though bro like exactly. yeah and then you think about stuff like even last year with like um the Unisertans clan's protest camp in and uh unseated Wet'suwet'en territory and the RCMP being sent in like armed against these protesters who were just like truly like protesting to save like their their land from uh having like a pipeline like and yeah. i think that that's which is their right. Yeah, and I think it's it's such a slap in the face that the Trudeau government is like, we are working together with these communities. Yeah, to build a pipeline anyway, Simultaneously <laughs> sending in the RCMP. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, it, it literally breaks my heart because it's just like, how can we have that level of a disconnect? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I get it. We've had that disconnect for ages, but like... We- Especially after Truth and Reconciliation, though, yeah, like, there where there was like some sort of like at least at, at, there was a nod towards listening. At yeah. least their fiscal plan is really weird. Um, <laughs> I'm not seeing a huge like wealth transfer uh, thing that they advertise. Yeah, They're, like the wealthy Canadians don't get anything, and yeah. like the like middle class gets six hundred dollars, and then yeah, because six hundred dollars is nothing to those wealthy Canadians. But then it's like, it. but it's like what. Like I'm, I they do have like this point about um, making sure that wealthy Canadians don't benefit from unfair tax breaks, but I'm not seeing like a huge. I'm not seeing any significant uh, like increase on the wealthiest yeah. t- Canadians in terms of tax, uh, in terms of taxes. Yeah. Uh, whereas the NDP are proposing like a big wealth tax. Yeah, I would uh, say that is one of the key differences. Yeah. Um, the other thing they have proposed to do, which is, like, a good thing, they want to, uh, limit housing speculation, which means, like, when you buy, when you, like, are really rich and you buy a house, uh, in Toronto and then you don't live in it and you don't rent it out, um, like, it drives up the cost of housing because, like, nobody's living in there and, like, it creates more demand, uh, sorry, it creates less supply when there's a huge demand for housing in in somewhere like Toronto or Vancouver. Like, I know in Montreal we have a huge issue because, like, 30,000 rental units were, like, 
taken off the market this year alone, mm-hmm. um, which is terrifying. Yeah. Uh, as a renter, um, yeah. because it's like rent prices go up like so much every year. Like when I first moved to Montreal, it wasn't absurd to hear about people paying like three hundred dollars for like a room in an apartment. Yeah. Now, like I don't know anyone who's paying anything that low. Like yeah. paying like eight hundred, like. $850 for a room is and seen to, as, like, a normal thing now, yeah. which is, like, terrifying. And to your point about, like, minimum wage, like, wages aren't really going up with that either, yeah, so it's, exactly. like, it's really, it's, like, okay, like, great, like, things yeah. are still not moving uh, along for you. So, um, this thing about housing speculation, they said they'll they'll put in place a, a national tax on vacant residential properties, which are these speculation, like, housing units uh, owned by non-Canadians who don't live in Canada, mm-hmm. which, like, okay, it's great, like, it's fine, but it's it's this Band-Aid. It's not a, even a Band-Aid. It's, like, this little tiny thing that's, like, like the NDP are going to put, 500,000 new homes in yeah. like in their first year or something yeah. or like they're going to pledge the money to doing that in their yeah. first year. Um this really like bleeds well into the uh the like the kind of bits and the little bits that they've like promised in the last like couple weeks like there's this one that Kate and I have talked about a bit uh offline which is the um the tax break they're proposing to, the, sorry, the like pausing of paying back your student yeah. debts, um, if you are a, a new parent. So for the first five years of your child's life, they're like, okay, you don't have to pay back your student loans. No, it's like great. So I um, am gonna take a year or two off to like um, recover. If I'm a woman, I'm like taking a year or two off to recover from birth and then also raise my child. That's pretty typical, like between a year and a year and a half. It's pretty typical um, uh, for like middle class families. Um, So if you're like, if we're talking about middle class families and like trying to let them get ahead, but you're not like if you're living in Toronto, like, you're not learning, earning any extra money. Yeah. You also, under the Trudeau government, you get, like, 50% of your income, by the way. If you're taking maternity leave, you get 50% of your income. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, from the government. Yeah. So it's, like, great, you get 50% of your income, but you still live in Toronto yeah. or, like, Vancouver. Where having 100% of your income is, like, is like hard like, enough yeah, to make rent. Exactly. Like. And so... Um, I mean, if you're getting 50% of your income and you made, like, $100,000, like, great. But if you're, like, (laughs) making $50,000 a year, like most Canadians are, it's not going to get you very far. And um, there's, like, that. And there's one more thing that... Oh, yeah. So on housing, um, just before we kind of cap up, these are just, like, kind of examples of how, like, this, like, middle-class money pledge is, I think, just completely insufficient. So what they've done is they've said we'll increase the amount you can put in an RRSP to put towards your first home. Oh, oh my god, so great. Thank you Thank so much. You so much guys. Do you, does anyone know what an RRSP is <laughs> or have one? Like no because you don't ha- so a RRSP oh is a registered retirement savings plan and you don't have one because you don't have any money to put yeah, into the damn I don't have thing. Any savings. They're like we'll increase it to $35,000 or something like that. It's like and they and they did do this thing where they they said like they'll increase 
they uh, for housing like for her first time home buyers they will allow you to um th- they will like put uh, give you some like money to uh, make a down payment and yeah. like decrease the amount that th- uh, th- they'll like reduce. It's like something about the bank like t- being able to take out like a larger loan yeah. and uh, whatever. But and, anyway, the point is like people can't even conceive of a world where they can afford these things or like like a down payment on a home in toronto if it's a million dollar home which is like the average price of like a home in toronto your down payment is like um what's actually you know what i can't do the math on this right now it's fine the point is like you don't have extra money yeah people aren't like like walking around with extra money right now so if you really want to like give people homes you should just give people homes like literally give them a home give them a home (laughs) also great way to solve the housing crisis Uh, the homeless uh, like homelessness like give them a home they did it in manitoba yeah medicine medicine alberta oh wait medicine alberta i think right no it was a conservative town. I think it was Medicine yeah. Hat, Alberta. Anyway, the point is, this has been done before. It's not hard. It's not too bold. No. It's not unrealistic. It's real. It can happen. And you're not, your vision is not bold enough. I think yeah. it's like the real like critique Truly. of this fucking platform. Okay, I think we've like bored you long enough. Please. Like, <laughs> so here's this is like two people's opinion on this platform. Yeah. Obviously, like go and read it yourself, or go yeah. and read if 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 it's too daunting, like it's a big long platform. Like go read someone else's analysis yeah. that you trust, and yeah. see for yourself like what you think. Yeah, honestly though, like the one uh, nice thing about the uh, liberal platform is it is written really um accessible. like yeah it's really accessible and really straightforward yeah i was severely hung over and i still was like oh i, I get it i can do this <laughs> i can do this um sort so if of. i can be that hung over and get it yeah you can too i believe in you yeah um google things you don't know i do that constantly mm-hmm. don't be afraid to just like not know what something is mm-hmm. i would say is the biggest thing yeah and like looking at these party platforms yeah and then like maybe if the whole thing seems too daunting like pick your three most important issues and then yeah. see where where your party stand yeah all the, all the parties also stand you can it. google like um ndp versus green uh, climate plan and yeah. they will be articles mm-hmm. like there's so many cbc actually con- has like a really comprehensive breakdown of yeah. like every all the parties on all the different issues yeah. um so if you do like if you're scrambling and you're like this podcast episode didn't mean anything to me <laughs> um then like there's all there's there's resources like the cbc yeah. platform uh yeah. breakdown that can give you a hand with that yeah. kate i really want to thank you so much for coming on and giving me a hand with uh like going through this like pretty like boring document <laughs> honestly um where can we find you on instagram oh well you can find me at uh jean paul fart uh on instagram yeah. and on twitter uh jean paul be... fartra with a, a period in between each of the words exactly. on instagram and on twitter same thing it is no it is jean dot paul underscore fart on twitter on twitter perfect as yeah. uh, so you can find me there thank you so much for having me oh my god it's been a pleasure i'm so happy you could come join <laughs> us uh until next time uh see you guys on Line. <laughs> <laughs>